Well, as you guys know, a couple weeks ago we had our Harvest Carnival, and uh, if you weren't familiar with it, uh, it's a great, it was a great success. We had the privilege of sharing the gospel with 2,100 people. Okay, that was kind of a cool thing to do. It's almost like what we're supposed to do. Hello, evangelize. Okay, but unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to tell you guys what happened to Kenny that night. I had to get on the plane the next day and head to Canada. Okay, but uh, how many guys would like for me to tell you what happened to Kenny that night after the festival? Praise God, it works well with my notes. But anyway, that's right. Here's what happened, okay? Uh, uh, <laughs> that night when it was all over, get this, Kenny was walking down the street, heading home, right? Okay, we won't talk about why he didn't get a ride. But anyway, uh, and all of a sudden, now listen to this, he heard this thumping noise coming from behind him. Yeah. And so he looked behind him and he saw it was a coffin. Yeah, it was a coffin. It was, it was following him upright. And it was going thumpity-thump, thumpity-thump, following Kenny right there. And so naturally, he was a little bit nervous, so he starts to walk a little bit faster, right? But the coffin just continued to chase him even faster. It was going thumpity-thump, thumpity-thump, thumpity-thump. And so Kenny began running like there was no tomorrow. But man, the coffin just kept on coming. him. And now it was uh, coming at him, and it was, the, the lid was opening and closing. It was going thumpity-thump, clap, thumpity-thump, clap, thumpity-thump, clap. And so now Kenny's terrified. He screams like a little girl, and he makes it to his house, and he, he, he goes into the house, he slams the door, he locks it, but the coffin just kept on coming when crash came through Kenny's front door. And so now Kenny screams like two little girls and he, he runs to the back of his house, the coffin's still chasing him, going thumpity thumb clap, thumpity thumb clap, thumpity thumb clap. And so Kenny rushes into the bathroom, he slams the door, but the coffin just broke through that door too, thumpity thumb clap, thumpity thumb clap. And so Kenny, his heart is pounding, his, his head's reeling, his breath's coming in sobbing gasp. He screams again like three little girls and he's looking in the bathroom, anything just to throw at this coffin. And all he could find was this stupid bottle of cough syrup, so he desperately throws it at the coffin, and guess what? The coffin stopped. <laughs> it's Robitussin, it works every time. <laughs> that one kind of registers about 10 seconds later, doesn't it? Now, folks, come on, let's be honest, okay? Let's all be honest. Right? How many guys would say, of all the jokes that I've shared thus far here at Sunrise, that's got to be one of the dumbest ones ever, right? <laughs> Man, that's, that's so stupid. That's, it, I couldn't wait to share it. But anyway, and, and the reason why I shared it is because, believe it or not, it'll make a point, I hope. Okay? And the reason why I started off with that dumb joke is because the Bible says one day, get this, there is a horrible, scary situation that's coming to this planet, all right? But the problem is people think in our world that it's just a big, dumb joke. And that event is called the rapture of the church. And folks, it is not a joke. The Bible says it's going to be a serious situation for those who refuse to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Because at that point, uh, when the rapture happens, they're going to be catapulted into the seven-year tribulation, and that is your worst nightmare. As we've been seeing, it's an outpouring of God's wrath on this wicked and rebellious world. And Jesus said that time is so horrible. Listen, a time of greater horror than anything this world has ever seen or will ever see again, and that unless God shortened that time of calamity, the entire human race would be destroyed. It's horrible. You don't want to be there but as we've been seeing praise God God's not just a God of wrath he is going to have the last word justice on evil and suffering that's a good thing but he's also a God of love as well and because he loves you and I his creation he's given us so many warning signs throughout the Bible warning us letting us know when the tribulation is near we don't know the exact date nor the hour we're not date setters but he tells us when it's getting near and when Christ's second coming was rapidly approaching therefore in order to keep you and I here at sunrise from experiencing the ultimate bad day of being left behind because you thought it was just a big old dumb joke okay 
we're going to continue our study called The Final Countdown. Now, if you've been tracking with us, we've already seen several signs already. The number 10 sign was the Jewish people. The number nine sign was modern technology. The number eight sign was worldwide upheaval. The number seven sign was the rise of falsehood. The number six sign was the rise of wickedness. And the last three times, John, I'm giving you the week off because we need your effort on Man Trucker Night Thursday. But anyway, that's right. The last uh, uh, three times we saw the fifth sign was the rise of what? apostasies you can see there and what we've been seeing folks the bible clearly tells you and i that in the last days it's not just that the world's going to go down the tubes the bad news is even worse the church is going to go down the tubes which is happening right now today all over the world right and we've been seeing that's happening thanks in part to a massive flooding of phony baloney believers in the church if you can believe that a massive flooding of greedy believers with the word of faith movement lie and last time if you were here we saw it's a massive flooding of worldly believers in the church and that's being caused by the lie of the church growth movement that says if you want to be a successful church today then you need to focus only on numerical growth instead of spiritual growth and cultural music instead of Christ-like music why because the whole premise that we've bought into in America in the churches is this because if you make the world feel comfortable when they come here not convicted but comfortable they'll stick around and man that'll jack up your numbers and we all know that's what makes for a successful church nowadays and that's what's happening folks okay but that's not all it's causing a growth all right it's causing a growth of apostasy and worldliness in the church with what God said would happen in the last days but the third way the church growth movement is helping to produce this massive worldliness all right and apostasy is to focus on fluffy teachings not godly teachings because remember you got to you got to make them feel comfortable and, and stick around so your numbers will go through the roof and this, I couldn't wait to get to this, folks, because I don't know how you get around this. This is so stinking clear in the scripture. You turn on your TVs, this sign right here, what we're about to discuss, is happening right now. Okay, but don't take my word for it. Let's listen to God. He warned us 2,000 years ago, roughly, of what to look out for in the church when you know you're in that generation of the last days. And you tell me if it's not happening before our very eyes. 2 Timothy chapter 4 is our text. 2 Timothy chapter 4, if you find Timothy, what do you do? Mark, tell him to get in here. Service has already started. He's late. No, but go to uh, cha- uh, 2 Timothy, uh, uh, right from 1 Timothy, and uh, let's go to uh, chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 1 through 4, okay? Now, the context here, as you turn there, is still the last days. He's going to talk about the Lord's appearing, his second coming, so that's obviously the last days. But this is, if you, you know, there's no chapter divisions in the original writing, okay? So this is a spillover from chapter three where he clearly says, but mark this, there's gonna be terrible times in the last days. And we already saw that before. He gives a litmus of evil, wicked behavior that's gonna happen to the world. And then in chapter four, he turns his eyes to the church. Not only is the world gonna get horrible, so is the church. That's the context. Let's begin to read. Second Timothy chapter four, verses one through four. And here's what Paul says. To young Timothy, the pastor, the guy behind the pulpit, okay, if you will. He says this, in the presence of God, and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead in view of his what? His appearing. He's coming back, folks, and his kingdom, and he's going to set up his kingdom. Praise God. Okay, he says, I give you this charge. In the meantime, before he comes back, here's what you've got to be doing, young Pastor Timothy. You need to give some fluff. You need to share motivational speeches. Now, what did he say? He said, you better preach the word. And in fact, when you start preparing to preach the word, he said, listen, you better be prepared for this. You better be prepared to do it in season, out of season, in and out. And when you share God's word, what's what's it going to do, okay? Is it always just pleasing? No. He says, listen, you're going to have to correct, right? How many guys love being corrected? Yeah, okay. Uh, You're going to have to rebuke. How many guys wake up every day and go, oh, I can't wait to get rebuked today. Woo! Beat my record from yesterday. No. 
We don't like it, but it's for our good, right? Okay, he says you better preach it in season, out of season, and be prepared for that correct rebuke. And yes, of course, there's times when it encourages, and you need to do so with great patience and careful instruction. Why? Because listen, this is the church he's talking about. He said a time is actually going to come when men in the church will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they're going to gather around them, not just a few, not just a couple. What's the words there? A great number, a massive amount of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. As we saw before in a previous study is muthos in the Greek there. And it literally means to stories that are made up. Okay. And folks, what we see in our text here is that there's going to come a day, the Bible warned nearly 2,000 years ago, okay, and it's, it's in the last days, that's the context there, that something horrible is not only going to go wrong with the world, chapter 3, but chapter 4, we're seeing that something horrible is going to go wrong with the church, and notice what it was. This is how stinking bad it's going to get in the church of Jesus Christ in the last days. Number one, the people in the church will not put up with sound doctrine. Now, can I translate that for you? As wild as this is, this is how bad it is. This is how you know you're in the last days. People in the church don't want to hear the Bible anymore. That's what it means. Basic biblical Christianity. Don't preach that to me. That's not happening today, is it? Well, that's only the first half. Now, what's the, what's the back half he said there? He says not only they're not going to want to hear the Bible. Instead, because you've got to keep it going, right? You've got to keep this church thing going. So you've got to have somebody up here saying something. So here's what they do. Instead, what did it say there? To suit their own desires. Because it's all about us. When we come here, it's all about me, 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 my likes, my... We saw that's happening too. To suit their own desires, listen, they will actually gather around themselves a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Now this is wild. The Greek word there for itching, okay, is the Greek word kinetho. Let's say that. Kinetho, okay? That's right. And this is what it means. Listen. To desire only that which is pleasant. Did you catch, did you catch it? To desire only that which is pleasant. So how do you know you're living the last days? When you see this in the uh, church, folks, it is when you see that people in the church, by and large, don't want to hear the Bible anymore. Instead, they're going to go out of the way and gather these guys who get behind the pulpit who only tell them pleasant things. Can I tell you something? And I will say this with full confidence, folks. I truly believe this passage of scripture is being fulfilled before our very eyes now. And that means, guess what? We're living in the last days, okay? How do I know? Because if you've been paying attention, this is the lie, another lie, of the church growth movement. And this is saying what we have to do if we're going to be that successful church today. We have to preach only pleasant things, or the code word is fluff. And we have to preach only fluff. Why? To keep people's coming back. Because don't you know that's what makes for a successful church. If you want those big numbers and if you want them to go through the roof and continue to escalate and prove to everybody that you are a jamming church, you're so successful. You've got to gut all your sermons, listen, of anything that would convict people. But what did Paul say to Timothy? You need to preach the word. And when you preach the word of God, guess what's going to happen? Two out of three times. It ain't going to be comfortable. It's going to correct you. It's going to rebuke you. Me too. And yes, there are times of encouragement. But it's not all that. 
And that's what they say. No, no, don't preach anything that would convict people. You know, don't talk about things like sin and hell and God's wrath and his hatred towards sins and that he is holy and he calls us to be holy. No, don't do that. What are you, some crazy wacko? Don't you know how to run a business? That's counterproductive. You preach that stuff, people might leave. Don't convict them. Coax them. Coax them. Don't make them feel bad. <laughs> Make him feel glad. Give him fluff and only fluff. Tell him how good they are, that God loves them. There's no need to fear. And woo, you keep that up, you're going to have numbers coming out of yours. Isn't that a successful church? I mean, we all know everybody loves to hear a good motivational speech once in a while. And folks, you might be thinking, hey, nobody in their right mind has ever fallen for this baloney. But especially, come on, we didn't have to go into some hidden Greek here. It's right here in the text. How could the church fall for this? It's been here for 2,000 years as a warning. Don't ever go that route. Don't ever sit there and trick yourself into thinking that your greatest job in the church as a pastor is to preach fluff. Not anymore. Folks, I don't, I'm telling we've talked about this before. Sunrise, you've had a, a good uh, Bible heritage and sometimes that can work towards our detriment because we're not, uh, uh, we don't see what's going on outside of us. And what's going outside of us, folks, is absolutely scary. The American church has fallen for this lie, hook, line, and sinker. And little do people realize that every time you see one of these worldly impotent preachers on TV tickling people's ears with fluff week after week after week, it's a sign you're living in the last days. We saw before one of the biggest signs that we in the last days just turn on your TV. Every time the news reports somebody died, some of this wickedness, the coldness of people's hearts and all this murder and the greediness and all. The basic news is a sign we're in the last days, right? Listen, when you see these preachers on TV and that's all they preach is fluff, it's another sign we're in the last days. But we don't connect it with that. So let me give you some examples of this fluff. Remember, that's what the word there is, kenetho. It's only that which is pleasant. Not convicting, no mention of sin, no talk of repentance. Don't, I call it the silent H word today. Don't talk about hell. Just give them stuff that'll tickle their ears. It's all over the place if you look. Let's take a look at just some of it, okay? Well, the number one question that people seem to ask me these days has nothing to do with theology or ministry. It's all about the hair. Man, how did you go from having bald black hair to this platinum pastor that you are today? You know, all the surveys say that evangelicals have the best sex life of any other group. If you're single, I want to encourage you for the next four weeks, I want to encourage you to buy this book, Sex God by Rob Bell. It's in our bookstore. Inside, there's a place to write your top two needs that your partner should address over the next 30 days. Make sure that you're specific in how your spouse can meet your needs. He's a Texas preacher with a positive message, a best-selling book, and a dazzling smile. But he also has his critics. It's a perverted gospel. I think that's the message that's caught on while so many people watch, because I'm always building them up, telling them what they can do. Each weekend, tens of thousands of people from around the world come to Houston. How many of you are ready to worship the Lord today? Amen. Each is seeking the same thing. A sermon from Joel Osteen, senior pastor at Houston's Lakewood Church. Y'all watch it over there? These women are from East Africa. Oh, God, I'm speechless. I just, I'm glad I came here today. Joel and Pramila Dianan are from Toronto. Pastor Osteen's message is extremely positive. 
Nothing about no negativity. Such testimonials aren't unusual. More than 30,000 adults regularly attend his church, making it, by some accounts, the largest and fastest growing congregation in America. His weekly sermon is broadcast in more than 100 countries, and he now has a best-selling book. What makes him so popular? We're not beating people down. I just feel like we've got enough negative things pulling us down, and I try to give people a... Uh, uh, you know, a boost for the week to make it practical and relevant. But even as thousands are drawn to Osteen's positive message, some folks just aren't buying it. It's a perverted gospel that panders to the individual self, the isolated self, and that's the problem with it. Ole Anthony is the founder and president of the Trinity Foundation, a Dallas-based televangelist watchdog group. He says Osteen's message is simply cotton candy theology. I have, would have no problem with him if he was doing it in the name of Bruce or saying that it was some kind of um, self-help seminar. But it has really nothing to do with the cross of God. His latest book, Become a Better You, for which he reportedly got a $13 million advance, goes on sale tomorrow. They read more like self-help than religion. In his new book, Osteen lays out seven principles he believes will improve our lives. To become a better you, you must be positive towards yourself, develop better relationships, embrace the place where you are. Yeah. Not one mention of God in that, not one mention of Jesus Christ in that. That's just my message. There's a lot better people qualified to say, here's a book that's going to explain the scriptures to you. I don't think that's my gift. His supporters say Osteen simply has a God-given ability to make people smile. God's given me a great life, and I've always smiled all my life. In my baby pictures, I'm smiling. So, you know, people kid me about it, but I think it's great. I love to smile. <laughs> Osteen never went to the seminary and only went to college for one semester. But he says after editing his father's sermons for 17 years, he's qualified to preach. Man, Al, did I waste a whole ton of cash at seminary. Hey, folks, let's just uh, deal with the facts here. If all it took to become a preacher was to edit some sermons, my wife should get up here and preach. Okay? But we're not going to do that because that's not biblical. But seriously, folks, put this in the context of what's going on. In the last days, what did our text say? The church will gather around themselves many teachers who would only what? Tickle their ears with fluff, with pleasant things, just like you saw. Anything and everything but the word of God. It's happening right now. Learn to be a better you. Learn to be financially successful. Learn to have a fulfilling bedroom life. Anything and everything but the word of God. There's no conviction there. There's no talk of sin. There's no mention of repentance or hell or God's hatred towards wickedness. It's only pleasant things. And that's exactly what God said was coming to the church in the last days. And we need to wake up and realize that, folks, this, this game playing that we're doing in the church today, that playing favorites, uh, only preaching part of the Bible, not the whole counsel of God, there's a horrible side effect. It doesn't just affect us, it affects our country. I've said it before and I'll say it again. We do not need revival in America. We need revival in the American church. And until the church gets serious again about preaching the whole counsel of God, including the parts that convict us and rebuke us, there is no hope of turning our nation around. One guy says this, it's an absolutely awesome quote. He says, it grieves me to say that for the most part, the modern Christian, the modern pastor, and the modern church has lost their savor. Taken as a whole, we have lost our inner character and the ability to resist the gay and preserve the lamb. 
He said, listen, our churches are no longer places of respite from the world. They are mirrors of it. The same dress, the same attitudes, the same carnality, the same spirit, the same stubbornness, and the same pride. Churches are no longer bastions of truth. They are glorified social clubs or mere corporations where genuine Christianity is never allowed to interfere with business. Instead of being watchmen on the wall, our pastors are CEOs or even worse, politicians. Popularity and personal ambition far outweigh the commitment to God's truth. He says, we got a pandemic, all right. He said, it's not the swine flu. It's a, listen, it's a pandemic of spineless Christianity. People and parents who cannot stand up to their own children, pastors who cannot stand up to their own congregation, religious leaders who cannot stand up to politicians, and churches that refuse to stand up against an unconstitutional government. He said, if somebody's looking to blame for America's demise, don't look to the prostitutes or the drug dealers or the crooked politicians. Look no further than the doorsteps of American churches. And while the ominous clouds of oppression and tyranny boil overhead, and boy, is that happening today. He says our churches are content to play kid games and wallow in their own materialism and laziness. And he said, sadder still is the lack of anything on the horizon that points to any kind of spiritual awakening. Listen, he says, look at the churches that are growing. He said, for the most part, they are the Joel Osteen and Rick Warren variety where conviction has been replaced with compromise and principle with popularity. And genuine Bible prophets, true preachers of the word of God, now occupy pulpits where hardly anybody even attends. Truth has been replaced with entertainment and calls for repentance are drowned out with the clamor of prosperity. He said, I can tell you from personal experience in more than 34 years of gospel ministry, it's never been harder to carry the torch of truth of God's word than it is today. And he warns this, he says, any pastor who desires to preach God's truth today can expect not to have many friends. And any evangelist who desires to carry the true gospel today may expect to get not very many meanings. Why? Because truth today is about as popular as a bad case of measles and I'm talking about today's professing Christian. And we just want to be a better you. And that's the predicament we're in. I've said this before, folks, this is crunch time. We ain't got time to play games with this. You want to talk about that stuff on the side? Go for it. Have at it. But we need the gospel presented in our country. We need Jesus Christ elevated in our country. Now. I've said it before, folks. Church historians are calling us this generation of Christians. The terminal generation. Which means if this generation of Christians does not turn around and stop being worldly and stop demanding only fluff, it's over. True gospel Christianity is going out of existence, yes, in America. And yet week after week, thousands upon ten thousands upon ten thousands of Christians say, give me more of that. And I will say this, because I get the emails, I get the phone calls from people out there, Christians who love Jesus, who do want to hear the word of God, who are starving to death for the word of God because it ain't coming from the pulpits anymore. They appreciate some spankings from God because it keeps them on the straight and narrow. And they're always rapping on the pastors. It's the pastors, it's always the pastors. Fault. And yes, I, there are, as we saw, there, yeah, there are pastors out there that are hirelings and who will preach only fluff. Listen, but it's not just the pastors. Listen from personal experience. I can tell you testimonies. 
It's not just the pastors. There are still faithful men here in America in the pulpit who are preaching God's truth. But listen, the church won't let them. And I've seen them do one of two things. They will either flat out not hire these guys. Or if they do start preaching the truth, they fire them. It's not just the pastors. Yes, there are preachers who will only preach fluff. It's also the churches are only demanding this fluff. Why? Because that's the two parts of this passage of scripture. It's not just that the pastors would preach fluff. The churches, the churches take the incentive. They will only gather around themselves a great massive amount of teachers. They're taking the initiative. We only want preachers who will come with a watered down message because we've been convinced that that's what makes a successful church. Don't give us the word of God. We only want that which is pleasant, okay? And so this is why, folks, this is why. This is all you ever get. This is why it's being promoted on TV. This is why pretty much there's only a few left that are decent, but most of Christian TV is a bunch of baloney. This is why that's all we get is fluff. This is why, and have you ever thought that people say, oh, it's such a blessing. It's such a blessing, these guys. Listen to these guys. It's such, have you ever thought that maybe these guys are an act of God's judgment upon us? Could be. This guy puts it this way. Let's take a look. Your best life now? I will not lose sleep tonight. Worried about your best life now. I will not pray tonight for tomorrow worried about their best life now or whether they have self-esteem or their checkbook is balanced or they've got 40 days or 90 days or 100 days of purpose in their life. I will lose sleep because one day every one of you will stand before God naked and be judged and some of you will be cast into hell. Preachers, you're not professionals. You're not businessmen. You're not little boys running around serving the community. You're prophets or you're nothing. To bring a word from God. These are people dying. The wrath of God lays waste your community even as we speak how many people will be swept away even today by the wrath of God through death in hell. And you're worried about whether or not someone feels good about themselves? False teachers are God's judgment on people who don't want God, but in the name of religion, plan on getting everything their carnal heart desires. That's why a Joel Olstein is raised up. Those people who sit under him are not victims of him. He is the judgment of God upon them because they want exactly what he wants and it's not God. You see in that video where people were coming from around the world and were literally speechless. Oh, did you hear the one guy's quote? No negativity. Travel all the way from a different continent for a blessing? Maybe God's judging us because we refuse to turn around. And he, have you ever done this as a parent? Your kids whine about something that you said, I told you not to go there. I told you not, no. I t and, you, and you said, okay, fine. You, you got to learn the hard way, I'll give it to you. You ever think that maybe that's what God's doing with us now? He's raised up these guys, not because they're a blessing to us, but because of the judgment of God upon us. Why? Because God's given us what we want and it's not him. 
We have prostituted ourselves as the American church with this wicked world system and could it be that we are being punished? Yeah. I think so. Why? Because we have bought into a lie. It's called the church growth movement and it says we need only to give people fluffy, pleasant, tickle your ears, motivational speeches instead of the word of God. Why? Because haven't you heard? That's what makes for a successful church. Don't preach the word of God. That'll drive them away. Tell them how to improve their bedroom life and they'll keep coming back week after week and your numbers, whoa! I've said it before, I'll say it again. You got 5,000 people in your congregation but only five are saved. What in the world did you just accomplish? Are you trying to encourage people to go to hell? Man, we've been duped. Oh yeah, it's producing a growth all right. It's a growth of worldliness and apostasy in the church exactly like God said was coming. When you are living in the last days. Wow. Turn on your TV. There's the proof. One more to go. The fourth way the church growth movement is helping us to produce this massive worldliness and apostasy in the church is it began to focus on a powerless gospel. Not the true gospel. A powerless gospel. A fake one, a phony one, instead of the true gospel. This is what Paul says. Believe it or not, the, the, somebody came into the uh, Galatian church and did the same thing. Okay, I think it's being repeated today. We'll see that in a second. Here's what Paul says. He says, I'm astonished. Galatians 1, verses 6 through 9. The, the Galatian church Christians, I, I can't, I'm, my mind is blown. How could you do this? That you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and you're turning to a what? A different gospel, which hello is no gospel at all. Okay, he says, evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But listen, Paul says, listen, this is how critical it is. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, listen, let him be eternally condemned. Okay? As I've already said, I'm saying it again. If anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Now, if you guys know anything about basic Bible interpretation, anytime something's repeated in Scripture, it's God going like this with the megaphone. Pay attention. And Paul said not just once, he said twice there. He says, whoa, boy. Man, I tell you what, if you ever see somebody coming into your church and they start preaching another gospel, let that person be eternally condemned. If somebody gets in the pulpit there, or whether they're on TV or in your local church, and if they start preaching something other than the true gospel, Jesus Christ and his death on the cross as full payment of our sins to rescue us from hell, yes, it's real, you better kick that person out of your church now. Because that person, listen, is eternally condemned. It's the Greek word anathema. And listen, that word means accursed. That person is accursed. They, they, mean, they are doomed to eternal punishment. They are devoted to destruction. Yeah, I better get them out of there. That's what Paul says, right? This is a serious warning. And so here's the point. Man, I tell you what, we can get it wrong on, on the potluck, right? You ever guys do that? You ever, uh, you ever like uh, at the potluck there and you get those like mystery dishes that you can't describe what they are? Hey, hey, it's cool, it's cool. I'm just looking at the ceiling as I say this. And you're, and it's, it's those pastel-looking colors. You know what I'm saying? It's a foamy-looking substance. Sometimes it's got carrot things in it. Sometimes it doesn't. But, you know, you're not really sure what it is. But you just happen to make the old wisecrack about this uh, nuclear jello experience, okay? And, and the person who made it's right there! I'm not saying I ever did that, but... Uh, 
we can get all kinds of things wrong in the church, right? We can get messed up at potlucks. We can do all kinds of goofy things. You put our foot in our mouth and all that stuff. But according to the Bible, the last thing you ever want to get wrong in the church is the gospel, right? That's what he's saying. <laughs> no, man, don't. I mean, come on. You can blow it on the nuclear jello, but don't get it wrong on the cross of Christ. Not anymore. We, we make no bones about this, folks. We have bought into this lie of the church growth movement across America and we are being told, listen, we have to preach a new and improved gospel. You know why? Here's the rationale. I'm not making this up. Because don't you guys realize, because it's all about numbers. You want people to keep coming back. That old gospel damages people's self-esteem. You see, when you start talking about sin and throwing out these labels that they're a sinner, they're a wretch, don't you realize that lowers their self-esteem? I am not making this up. And so we have to improve on the old gospel, okay? Don't you guys know how to run a business? What are you, some sort of wacko? Don't you know that if you start preaching that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, okay, that that's not politically correct? I mean, what are you trying to do, run people off? And don't you realize if you start talking about sin and the need for repentance and we should cast our souls upon the mercy of God to be rescued from hell, that people are gonna leave? Come on, that's counterproductive. So here's what you do. You just say stuff like this. God has a plan for your life. And so when people come forward, because it's a church service, you gotta have some form of a, not only a sermon, it's not really a sermon anyway, it's a motivational speech. But, but you gotta have some sort of an altar call, a response time, right? So you gotta have something, okay? But not, not so, so when they come forward, they just say, hey, uh, God's got a plan for my life and I accept that and guess I'm going to heaven. No, you're not. That's not the gospel. No, I know what you do. What you do is you tell them, hey, listen, they come forward and you say, hey, listen, you, you just need to believe in God, right? And, and you just got to understand that he loves you. And the reason why he died on the cross is because you're so worthy. Really? My Bible says, skip that part. The Bible says that we were wretches, cut off from God, his enemies, ungodly sinners, and that even the demons believe in God and they shudder and hello, they ain't going to heaven. No, I know what you do. Just skip that whole thing because that's all muddly with Christianese. Here's what you tell them when they come forward. They don't even need to come forward anymore because there is no hell. There's no need to worry. We're all going to be just fine. We're all going to heaven. Woo! And you keep that up, man. Church, this new and approved gospel and you're going to have numbers coming out of here. Woo! Because everybody loves to hear how good they are when it comes to eternity. You might think that nobody's buying into this, but folks, I'm telling you what's going outside these four walls will blow you away. Like Paul says, I am astonished. What? We have people today in the pulpit that is the biggest, fastest growing ministries on the planet that's only preaching connecto, pleasant things. We also have men in the pulpit today, the biggest, fastest growing, if you want to call them that, churches that are preaching a different gospel today. In fact, when you put them on the spot, they can't even define what the gospel is. But don't take my word for it. Let's listen to theirs. It's happening today. And what about Mitt Romney? And, and I've got to ask you the question, because it is a question, whether it should be or not in this campaign, is a Mormon a true Christian? Well, in my mind, they are. 
Mitt Romney has said that he believes in Christ as his Savior, and that's what I believe. So, you know, I'm not the one to judge the, the little details of it. So I believe they are. And so, I, you know, Mitt Romney seems like a man of character and integrity to me. And um, I don't think he would, anything would stop me from voting for him if that's what I felt like. So, so, for instance, when people start talking about Joseph Smith, the founder of the church and the Golden Tablets in upstate New York, and, uh, and God uh, assumes the shape of a man, do you not get hung up? In, in those theological issues? I probably don't get hung up in them because I haven't really studied them or thought about them and um, you know I just try to let God be the judge of that. Daily. But for me John listen for me it's a daily daily I wonder if this whole thing's a total crock. Daily I think is there really a God? Is my whole life based on a hoax? Every day I make I make a decision to go one day one day more. I mean really I really I'm, I'm agnostic in that sense, in that I, every day, I, I don't know. Several years ago, we had an art show at our church, and people brought in all kinds of sculptures and paintings, and we put them on display, and there was this one piece that had a quote from Gandhi in it. And lots of people found this piece compelling. They'd stop and sort of stare at it and take it in and reflect on it, but not everybody found it that compelling. Somewhere in the course of the art show, somebody attached a handwritten note to the piece, and on the note, they had written, reality check, he's in hell. Gandhi's in hell? He is? And someone knows this for sure? and felt the need to let the rest of us know this is why lots of people want nothing to do with the Christian faith. They see it as an endless list of absurdities and inconsistencies and they say, why would I ever want to be a part of that? The good news is that love wins. In an ironic way, the doctrine of hell basically says no, but that's not really true. Yeah. At, at, at the end, God gets his way through coercion and violence and intimidation and uh, domination, just like every other kingdom does. The cross isn't the center then. The cross is almost a distraction and false advertising for God. <laughs> oh, Brian, that was just so beautifully said. I, w I was tempted to get on my soapbox there and, and you know, because as you and I know, there are so many illustrations and examples you could give that show why the traditional view of, of hell completely falls in the face of, uh, go it's just antithetical to the cross. Yeah. Um, and to, but the way you put it there, uh, I, I love that. I mean, it's it's false advertising. Thank you, Joe, Joel, for your positive messages and your book. I'm wondering, though, um, why you sidestepped Larry's earlier question about how we get to heaven. Um, the Bible clearly tells us that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light, and the only way to the Father is through him. That's not really a message of condemnation, but of truth. Yeah, I would agree with her. I believe that. So then That's a what Jew is not going to hell. No, I. I, I can't. Well, no, here's my thing, Larry. Is I can't judge somebody's heart. You know, I don't know. Only God can look at somebody's heart, and so I don't know. I just, to me, it's not my business to say, you know, this one is or this one isn't. I'm just saying, here's what the Bible teaches, and I want to put my faith in, uh, you know, in Christ. And I, I just, I think it's wrong when we go around saying, you know, you're not going, you're not going, you're not going, because it's not exactly my way. I'm just, I'm but not going to be the God. you believe your way. I believe my way. I believe my way with all my heart. But For uh, someone who doesn't share it, well, it is wrong, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, uh, well, I don't know if I look at it like that. I would, I would present my way, but I'm just going to let God be the judge of that. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Then what in the world are you doing behind the pulpit?
No. You're not going to heaven. Because Jesus Christ and his death on the cross is the only way to heaven. And if you're not trusting your eternal destiny on that, then guess what? I can say confidently, as a preacher of the word of God, you're not going to heaven, you're going to hell. And you need to hear the good news that it's only through Jesus and his forgiveness that you can escape that. He had the perfect opportunity. I don't know, I don't know. But did you catch the other ones that were going on there? Did you pay attention to what these, and these are some of the fastest growing, if you want to call it that, churches in America. Mormons are going to heaven? Really? No. Atheists and Jews apart from Jesus Christ are going to heaven? No. He actually went on to say, uh, Mr. Osteen there, and, and, and I had to cut somewhere, he actually went on to say that he refused to even judge whether or not an atheist was going to heaven or hell. That's an easy one. But did you catch what they were saying there with Rob Bell? That was the one with the Gandhi issue? And you know that for sure? Yes, I know that for sure because that's what God says. If Jesus Christ was not his Lord and Savior, he went to hell. But love wins because there is no hell. Did you catch what Brian uh, McLaren said? Did you catch that? The cross of Jesus Christ is false advertisement for God from the pulpit. And people are eating it up. Why? Because <laughs> we're in the last days, folks. And we, uh, if you're a part of these guys, can I encourage you to do something? You better run and you better run fast. You better get yourself out of there. The Bible says, be ye separate, okay? Because the judgment of God is coming upon them. Why? Because the Bible says, if anybody ever dares, has the audacity to preach another gospel like those men are doing, what? Let that person be eternally condemned. Why? Because they wimped out. They wimped out on the one and only true life-saving gospel for the sake of numbers or popularity or whatever. And they're promoting a false gospel that is leading people to hell. And yes, that place is real. In fact, I want to show you how egregious this is. Because you're going, wow, that's some pretty strong words there, Paul. Anathema, let them be a curse. They're doomed to destruction. They're devoted to destruction. That's some serious stuff. I think this is why. Because Paul knows what we don't want to deal with. Let's take a look at this little graphic here. I love this thing. People falling into the pit. Imagine with me for a little bit here, folks, that that's the pit of hell, okay? Just, just take a look at that there. Now, if that's the pit of hell, people are going right into there. And they're still going in there. Now, let's bring it home. Uh, imagine that those are your loved ones, the people you know, the sphere of influence that God has put around your life. These are your kids, these are your grandkids. These are your parents. These are your siblings. These are your coworkers, your neighbors, whoever. And there they go, one after one, just keep on going into hell. They've been going in there ever since we came here today. And when we're done, they're still going in there. And we get up the next day and it's still going. And believe it or not, that speed, I don't think is too far off of them chucking into the pit of hell because the statistics are, listen, there's 1.8 deaths per second, which multiplies into 100 deaths per minute, which is 150,000 deaths per day, over 55 million deaths per year, and the bulk of them are headed straight to hell. Now, let me, I think I want to bring this home. Why would Paul use such strong words for these people who would wimp out and say, I don't know, I don't know, and preach a false gospel? Because let's see if we can rescue our loved ones from this pit with what they're telling people. Here's what you do. Just, no, no, just stop. Just, just believe in God. He, he loves you. You're so worthy. 
Oh, that didn't work. What's, what's the next one next year? No, here's what it is. Hey, hey so, so, whoa, whoa, back, slow down. Just, just acknowledge God has a plan for your life and you just need to acknowledge that. Wonderful news. Well, that didn't work. Let's try it. No, no. Come on, don't you know the routine by now? Learn to be a better you. Hold up your Bible. Repeat after me. Be all that you can be. That ain't working. Hmm. Oh, I know. Let's just skip all that stuff. Hey, don't worry. Don't be afraid. Hey, hey, that's not really the pit of hell you're going into. It doesn't exist. And the Bible says, let these people be eternally condemned. They are devoted to destruction, they are accursed, and they are doomed to eternal punishment. Why? Because how dare you do this? You had the privileged opportunity to save people from that place, and you wimped out. You refused to tell them the one and only true life-giving gospel, and you actually didn't bless these people. You cursed them for all eternity. Anathema is right. How dare you? And because of this, folks, we're seeing a massive growth, all right. I'll say this. We're seeing a massive growth of worldliness and apostasy in the church. And dare I say, we're helping people go straight into hell. Wow. Folks, what more does God got to do? This, this is the one that really gets convicting, isn't it? Because we're dealing with the rise of apostasy. Not, see, it's easy to distance ourselves with wickedness and worldwide upheaval, and the Jewish people. But this is the church. This is us. This is what we are doing. And God's given us a sign, folks, to wake us up. He loves us. He doesn't want us to go into the seven-year tribulation. He doesn't certainly want us to go to hell. And this is why he's given us these signs of the rise of apostasy. Church, wake up! When you see a massive increase of phony, baloney Christians in the church, when you see a massive increase of greedy Christians and worldly Christians, you better wake up! <laughs> the tribulation's near. You better get motivated. This is why Jesus said this. He says, when these things begin to take place and you actually can turn on your TV and see people say, learn to be a better you. You better stand up, Christian. You better start doing that rapture practice because your redemption is drawing near. Folks, we are headed for the final countdown. Like it, lump it, leave it or not. And so here's the point. It's always twofold. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, maybe you're relying on one of these false gospels. Maybe you came forward and that's actually what you said. I just, God's got a plan for my life. That's not the gospel. And can I encourage you to do something today? Would you please, I beg you please, would you please, please, please respond to the one and only true gospel. Call upon the name of Jesus Christ. Ask him to forgive you of your sins and trust your eternal destiny to his work, not your own on the cross. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Whoa! Then you'll be saved. You'll be rescued from that pit today. But if you're here today as your Christian and you're a part of one of these harlot churches that's preaching a false gospel with this worldly dress and worldly music and worldly leadership just so you can jack up your numbers, can I encourage you? One more time. You better run and you better run fast because the judgment of God is going to be coming upon these people and they're going to be taken out and you don't want to be there. The true bride of Jesus Christ longs for his word even if it hurts and convicts and rebukes. Because it's all for our good. Like these men share. We'll close in prayer after this. church that has forgotten its foundations, a church that's turned away from its beginnings and begins to become a harlot church. 
Just, just tell me how blessed I am. Just tell me I'm, I'm, I'm going to be powerful and popular and going to have no trouble in my life. For the, just tell me these things. Watered down. Half-truths. This gospel says, just believe and get saved. There's nothing of repentance. Nothing of godly sorrow. Nothing of turning from your sins. Nothing about taking up your cross and following the Lord. But people who say a little prayer said, you're fine, you're good. Now we've revised that and said, if you can get people for one hour on Sunday morning in the building, that's the church. That's not the church. We can use every device we want to get people for one hour and keep it early and keep it moving and keep it going. But that's not the church Jesus built. And I'm embarrassed to be part of the church of Jesus today because I believe it's an embarrassment to a holy God. Most of our joy is clapping our hands and having a good time and then afterwards we're talking all the dribble of the world. Don't talk to us about holiness or separation from the world. Don't, we don't want to hear that, folks. People today don't want to hear anything they call gloom and doom. If, if it's not smooth, it's gloom and doom. Well, friend, let me tell you lovingly, go to hell and live with all the scum of the earth. You like to drink, go with the drinkers. You like to lust, go with the prostitutes. And if you don't believe this is happening in our generation, I challenge you to go to a Christian bookstore this week and find the bestsellers. Ask them which are the bestsellers and look at them. Look at the covers of the images of men, not the images of God. Five steps to be like me. Five steps to better yourself. Five steps to the new you. Five steps to a wonderful destiny with their glossy faces on the cover. Not so subtly telling the church of Jesus Christ, if you use the principles of God, you will look like me. And you became enamored with your own beauty. And your whole theological focus now is how you can be smarter, better, better looking, more prosperous. You lost the call of God, church. When I see the church in the New Testament, they didn't have stately buildings. They didn't have paid evangelists. They didn't have a lot of money. They didn't have organization. They did, couldn't get on TV and beg. But I'll tell you what they did. They turned the world upside down. And I think we better watch this business of, you know, God loves you, God loves you, and all the bumper sticker sloppy evangelism. Will you remind people of the goodness and the severity of God? Will you remind them that there's a day when mercy is cut off forever? Will you remind them that people pray in hell but nobody ever answers? But in spite of what God has spoken, they create a garment of fig leaves and they cover themselves and say, all is well, all is well. And they seek out a church that won't challenge their sin, that won't expose this hypocrisy for what it is. I'd rather you get mad at me and go to heaven. I want to challenge you with everything in me. Put away lifeless religion. Put away empty pursuits of God. Put away all of the deception of the carnal nature. Holy. Be ye holy, for I am holy. That's God's words, not mine. Would to God that Episcopalian, Presbyterian, Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal pastor begin to stand up and see what's happening to the church that was once called the Church of Jesus Christ. Backsliding, turning apostate, turning against the truths. Some who are listening even now and will be listening to tapes in the future. You just can't lighten up and enjoy these theologically shallow experiences like so many around you are today. Everyone around you is saying, oh, lighten up, lighten up. God's love, God's good, God's kind, God is nice. 
come to church in your Bermuda shorts, stick your feet on the altar rail, have a coffee and cookies with us. We'll hear three point messages on nothing about God. But there's a stirring in you. There's a stirring in the true bride in this generation. But if the Holy Spirit is truly, truly upon you in this generation, you will not be satisfied. You will not be found among those who sit in supposed houses of God with your feet on the altar rail and a cup of coffee in your hand listening to a PowerPoint sermon about a Christ they don't know. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today, that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things with you. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the Bible also says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness is death. In other words, when we die... And it's coming for each one of us. We're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, but it's going to happen. The Bible says, therefore, since the wages of our sin is death, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and not to heaven. And that's bad enough, but to make matters worse, we don't want to admit this. God already knows. He knows uh, all of our behavior, everything, our thoughts, what we've done, what even we're going to do. He knows it all. He's gone. Even though he already knows this, we don't want to admit this. And so, out of love and mercy, God gave us something called his law, or the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows, that he is holy and that we are not. And it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him. Let's take a look at God's x-ray, if you will, his divine law, to show us what he already knows. The Ten Commandments, uh, the ninth one, says this, You shall not bear false witness. Okay, that's called lying. Okay, and if you've ever told a lie once, which we all have, myself included, the Bible says that makes you a liar. Okay, the, the, another commandment says you shall not steal. Okay, uh, and you might think, well, that's something that everybody does. Well, it doesn't make it right, and it demonstrates what God is trying to show us, that uh, we all have sin, and it's separating us from him. Even if you took a pencil in the third grade from somebody, if you did it without permission, that's stealing. And so now you've become a thief. The Bible says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And how interesting it is and unfortunate that the only name under heaven by which men might be saved, the name Jesus Christ, has now become a common cuss word. The Bible says that God is so holy that even his name is holy. If you've taken the Lord's name in vain and used it as a cuss word or even flippantly. The Bible calls that the sin of blasphemy. And so now you become a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus says if you even look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. And finally, the Bible says uh, you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? Well, again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred is the same as the sin of murder. The only difference is you pulled the trigger, if you will, in your heart. You wish they were dead. And in God's eyes, it's the same thing in principle. 
Folks, that's only just a couple of the Ten Commandments. We didn't even go through all of them. But I think you're starting to get the picture. The Bible is correct. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, myself included, and that we are separated from God as a result. And so when our time comes, we're not automatically going to heaven. We are headed for judgment. We are headed for hell. Now let me tell you the good news. The good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to save us. Jesus Christ died on the cross. It was the death penalty of its day. He paid in full uh, the price for our sins to be forgiven. Let me give you an analogy. For instance, even today, we could see that a person could commit a crime. Uh, they, they cannot reverse it. The, the sentence has been passed. The judge has uh, slammed his gavel, and they are ushered off into their jail cell. And in this particular crime, they are going to receive the death penalty. And so they're behind bars just waiting for the time, waiting for the call for them to go and uh, receive the death penalty. But believe it or not, as we know, there is a way that a person can get off a death row. And that is if the one in authority, the governor, would grant them a pardon. Now, they didn't earn it. Uh, they certainly don't deserve it. And there's nothing they could do uh, to earn it because nothing can reverse their crime. Okay? Yet the one in authority has that ability to grant them a pardon. Well, can I tell you something? That's what God has done through Jesus Christ. The cross was the death penalty of the day. God sent his one and only son to die on the cross, to take the death penalty in our place, and that if we would just receive his pardon for all of our sins, God is willing to allow us to get off a death row. He's willing to forgive us completely of all of our sins. That's the good news that I want to share with you. God loves you. The Bible says that God is not willing that anyone should perish, but everyone come to repentance. Won't you, if that's you, call upon the name of Jesus Christ right now? Won't you ask him to forgive you of your sins? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Won't you do that now, wherever you are? Please, take God up on his amazing, loving offer. I'll let you down. Man will let you down. People will let you down. But God never will. He wants to adopt you into his forever family. He loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done, past, present, and future. It's amazing. Please, call upon Jesus now. Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church. If there's anything that we can do for you, please don't hesitate to ask. Our number and information will come up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.